Welcome to another episode of Because Money. Today we have invited Kate Smalley out and we're going to have a conversation about conversations and in particular empathy. So how do you talk to someone about money when you're sort of sitting here as the expert and, and they're not necessarily the expert? How do you have that conversation in a way that's sort of going to be meaningful and not talking down to someone in, in a way that's going to help them while also having empathy for the problem that they might be facing? Uh, it's not going to be clear, cut and dry, but we'll talk around it and hopefully you all enjoy it. And of course, if you like real conversations such as this, uh, please feel free to go to patreon.com slash because money to help support the show. Any donation you provide will help keep us on the air and producing episodes such as this. And stay tuned and hope you enjoy it. You, of course, just cut it out, which is great timing. <laughs> um, I'm assuming you said to introduce myself, I'm Kate Smalley. I recently started paraplanning for spring financial planning, uh, but most of my work is in marketing, and a lot of that has been marketing in the financial services realm. So I'm very interested in how we talk to people about money, which is probably why I'm here. <laughs> also, because we like you. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's like a like one A and one B right there. <laughs> yeah, this is our Twitter pyramid scheme come to life. Yeah, in a podcast. We just need like two other people, and it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's every interaction is just us and two other people. Super. Yeah. So, so I actually I would love to hear. Um. Because I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I suspect that an element of how people speak to other people about finance and money and all of those things is one of the reasons why you thought maybe you wanted to be a financial planner, but then decided you didn't at all. Was it, was there any of that part of it? Yeah. So for me, it kind of starts with, I'm in a I have a lot of creative entrepreneur friends. So people that are photographers and artists or graphic designers, and they have their own businesses. And one of the things that frustrates me most in the world is seeing people who are really amazing what they do, make really cool things, are great at helping people. And then they feel one day like they can't keep on with their business because they just don't know how to sell the thing. They don't know how to handle their money. They don't know how to figure out kind of their business finances and their personal finances. And if that's all that's keeping them from continuing to do this thing that they're so incredibly gifted at, it just like drives me nuts because it's usually something that there's a solution to. Not that money is simple, but like we can figure this out. Like, you know what you're good at, where you want to go. Like that's the hard part. So like we can figure out all the in-between stuff. Uh, not that I have all those answers, but I feel like, you know, that's a doable thing. <laughs> um, but I'm not a fan of selling products to get there. And that's kind of what I thought the whole finance industry was. So then I didn't end up working in it. Um, but I've stayed in sort of the creative entrepreneur world. And recently I've been having a lot more conversations about money and trying to figure out how all that fits in, um, which is good timing for this episode. So are, are we right in assuming that those conversations are solicited conversations or are you just kind of like walking up to people that you know in the creative space and saying, let me tell you about money? No, it's stuff that's come up and I've actually, I'm in a book club with a couple of other women who are all have their own businesses and we, um, I didn't choose it. Someone else chose Shannon Lee Simmons worry-free money for a book club a couple months ago. 
which was awesome. And then a meetup I was at last week that's just like this monthly meetup for creative entrepreneurs in Toronto. The topic was accounting and finance. And our, the CPA that was supposed to lead the talk wasn't there. So it ended up being like 10 of us in a room and everyone was just like asking questions. Amazing. Um, and everyone's at totally different levels. Some people were incorporated with their businesses. Some people were just starting. And it, the idea was like none of us were experts. And like one of my friends was like, well, Kate actually like sort of went to school for some money stuff. So she might know some of this. But like I didn't know a lot of it. Um, but it's just cool to be in a room of people that are all asking those questions. And my big thing right now is less about trying to tell these friends or these people what to do and just trying to open that door so that if someone brings that up, I don't immediately shut them down. Like if someone says something like, I'm gonna draw, withdraw money from my RSP, that my first instinct isn't, oh my God, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> what are you doing? That it's just making someone feel like they can have that conversation, like just making space for that. And then down the line, we can actually talk about stuff. But like step one to me is, let's be able to bring this stuff up and not be called idiots and not have people like sharpening their pitchforks. <laughs> totally. And then step two is like figuring out how to talk about it or how to give advice, which I'm not there yet. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I think like we have to make people feel like they can bring it up in the first place and they're not idiots for doing that. I, I think that's such a, that's such a, a great way to say it. It's such an interesting point to start off because it, it is that sense that I think a lot of the financial industry wants to start a conversation, but in their heads, they have a strong idea of what is right and what is wrong. And so often when people come to maybe have that conversation to ask a question, they're just hit right away with being like, this is all the information. And so it's just talking from this end instead of talking and listening and therefore not probably by definition a conversation. And so what you're talking about right there is just to be like the necessity of the financial half of that, it's not quite as separated out that clear, but I'm putting you on the kind of financial industries half of that mm -hmm. uh, in this kind of, to be like the first step really is listening without talking so that, you know, because that's actually what a conversation is and, and can't start until you're willing to kind of admit that there's equal partners on both sides of the table, perhaps. Yeah, and just figuring, like listening to people's problems and separating money from it for a second. Yeah. So someone that's withdrawing money from their RSP, they're not doing that to cover like an emergency. They're not doing that because they think it's like a smart decision or they like, they don't really know. They just know that they have a problem. They know that they feel terrible and they're not sleeping and they're stressed. And here's something they think of as a solution. So it's like problem, outcome. Um, I swear I was going somewhere with this and I of course forgot, <laughs> but to just, so just to sort of jump in on, cause I like yeah. processes. So that's a process. It's like, yeah. Hey, here's, here's a problem. Here's a solution. And if you immediately jump in, like, no, no, I have a different solution without helping them with the process part in the middle to get from their problem to your new solution that might be better for them it doesn't resonate and it doesn't stick it's just like oh okay that's i guess a different solution and if if they don't have the same knowledge as you and don't see why that might be a better way to go and if you can't explain it to them in terms they understand then it's not a great solution even if 
it is a better solution for them in the end if it's a better use of the tools available to them if they don't understand that it doesn't um you know do it again the next time can i can i say though that i think that sometimes supplying a solution shouldn't be step one um i think that sometimes especially yeah. in, in cases where anxiety is is really really high um there, there can't be a solution yet you know it, when your brain is going haywire and it's just in panic mode and it's just trying to get through today this hour this day it, it, it you can't until you diffuse that sense of anxiety and that sense of panic you can't start putting a process into place like it's just it's i don't know if it's possible for somebody to absorb that and so and, and that's a really hard thing to even figure out but it does part of that i think is and, and kind of what kate was saying is that part of that has to be creating a safe space for people to just get some of that out and to not feel so isolated and alone in it and before we even start considering solutions there has to be something there some kind of support and I think people aren't necessarily telling us unless they have, you know, called us in our professional capacity. I don't think people almost always are saying I'm going to withdraw from my RSP because they're looking for a solution from us. It's that whole empathy, sympathy difference. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this thing. If we could all just kind of be self-aware enough to say, I'm going to tell you this thing that's bothering me. And what I want from you is, wow, that must be hard. Tell me more about it. Because that's really what most of us want when we're talking about that kind of level of anxiety and not not even knowing which way to turn at all, if that's how high it is, or anywhere kind of on the spectrum of worry and anxiety and you know decisions and all that kind of stuff. What we're really looking for is for somebody to listen to us and ask questions and say, "Oh, that must be really hard." Not necessarily to jump in and say, and can and actually conversely, not conversely, on the opposite side of that process question while they might not be ready for what we're giving them as a solution um if if we don't give them space to talk about it and we don't explain it on the other hand if all we've heard is a little snippet and we haven't asked taken the time to give them the space to explain why that seems like the right solution to them and explain just more about their own particular circumstances we might be jumping to the pat book answer instead of the one that just like chris when we were talking about um a client of years not too long ago where there was just there were no solutions but we were talking about in the emergency episode I mean, there weren't really any obvious so she can't do it that way because of these other things that aren't just immediately obvious about her um so when we would jump in with solutions too quickly we actually might be solving a problem that we don't even have all the information for the end okay we can go home now bye <laughs> no but it's I keep on thinking a lot about um, a couple of episodes ago where we were talking about parents and, and that kind of realization that we all came to where we were talking about how so often we want to tell them how it would be easier and how this could be better and this is the things we need to do. And, and we're, we're not entering a situation listening. We're not entering a situation where we're thinking, where we're doing exactly what you said, Andy, and, and, and maybe we want to talk about processes, maybe instead of trying to like, that's a process that we should get better at a process for us to just kind of do triage in a better way to really kind of listen. And, and it's, it's to, just to, I, I've lost both my train of thought and the point that I was trying to make. And it feels like I'm just saying buzzwords now, but um, it, it does. 
I find, I, and I'm sure this is the, something, and I'd love to hear a little bit more, Kate, from um, just from some of the, the your experiences with this too, because um, I find that it's really interesting to talk to people that have had very little exposure to finances at all, the financial world, the financial kind of conversation, the financial kind of machine. So they they really haven't seen that at all. They can, and to see just kind of hear what kind of questions they're asking and how they're asking those questions because it's just it, it, it's interesting often have you found that there's some interesting kind of wordings and kind of the, the questions that come out of there when people haven't taken in all of that um, what they're supposed to be asking are the right questions yeah and well one thing I've definitely found so far is part of the reason I never pursued I had this idea that I'll do like financial planning for creatives which everyone was very quickly to tell me was stupid because I would never get paid. <laughs> yep, um, but I also, I never pursued it because I didn't think I'd need in CPP. I wouldn't be able to answer them. Yeah. So I felt like I was in no position to claim that I was an expert on something if I couldn't answer every possible question that could come my way. And this is not a small thing. This is not me recommending like, should you get highlights or not? Like this could really impact your life. And if you've got kids, so I just didn't feel comfortable with that. But what I didn't, realize and I have in the last couple of months is how much value there is in for lack of a better word just creating space that feel people feel like they can talk about it like so much of the value that I think friends have found with conversations with me and none of this has been like a formal process or paid or anything like that is just the fact that you can talk about money with someone and it so hasn't been about answers and it hasn't been hasn't got to a point about process. It's just been the fact that people can ask questions and talk about it and not feel like they're an idiot for not knowing or not feel like they should have learned this somewhere and they didn't. Um, and just to be able to share examples and um, what was I talking about with friends? Oh, that book club that I had and we was around like, uh, Shannon Lee Simmons book worry-free money and it just got off on lots of tangents and we're all kind of going around sharing where things are and someone was like you know I'm doing so well I just I saved up for a $1,400 iMac computer and she's like I saved up regularly and I just bought it and I'm so happy and like we were so happy for her and then someone else was like I spent $60 on groceries last month and I'm really struggling and I haven't made money in X amount of time and we all kind of like went around and were really vulnerable about where we were. And I don't think any of us had really shared that before with anyone. And the fact that we could, and the fact that we could either share like, we're doing really well, or we're doing really poorly, and that no one was making us feel bad, like that was like the thing, that was the important thing. And now that's leading to stuff like, let's get together once a month and go through our receipts for accounting. And like, Kate, can we ask you questions about like saving and TFSAs and things like that? Like that's now leading to that, but it started from a place of, can we just talk about this first? And yeah. How much did you love that chapter in Shannon's book? And then think about it when it was happening. Like when you're having the conversation with your friends, you're like, hey, this is, it's happening. It's really happening right now. I know, and I have to like tone down that part inside of me. Guys, we're talking about money right now. Did you notice? It's super. I know. And I have to, it's a, it's a really, it's a conscious effort for me not to, when someone's explaining a problem, not to say, 
oh my goodness, the TFSA could solve that. Or, mm. wow, do you know about like lines of credit? Because like, ooh, everything's on your, like it's, it's hard for me to not just like immediately blurt out something that I think is a solution. Um, it's hard to kind of, I'm getting better at it, but it's, it's hard to not immediately jump to that and just to let someone like explain themselves. And I'm also noticing if I don't cut people off with my prescriptive advice, <laughs> that they'll tend to explain more of kind of the problem that they're in, how they got there, how it's making them feel and like how they came to the decision that this might be a good solution. And once I know how someone thinks their way through something, it's easier for me to present what might be a possible solution because I can see how they like think and feel their way through something and like, okay, so this is kind of how you process stuff. This is where you are and this is where you want to go. So here's something that might help you get there. It might not be like the best way to do it or like the most financial sense way to do it, but it might fit your actual life. So you might actually do it. Which would be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which kind of becomes the best way to do it if it actually gets done. But it's like it's not. But it's that funny thing. It's like I've I've said this a bunch of times in the last years that like you give advice sometimes that you're like that I would be embarrassed for another planner or somebody in the finance world to hear me say that, even though I'm confident it's the right thing for you to hear and it's the right halfway measure. But it is not the correct answer. And measuring those two things is always difficult, but you're, you're completely right. Like the best thing is the thing that people understand right now. And it can be just yeah. a step along the way. It doesn't have to be the whole thing on day one. Yeah. And it's like planting seeds. I'm kind of finding too, mm. because I might mention something um, one day talking about saving. Like I have like seven sub saving accounts because that's what works for me. And I save regularly little bits in like a tech fund because I know one day I'm going to need a new laptop. And rather than being like, am I going to find a thousand dollars? I'm like, great. I've been putting $50 aside every month for X number of years, like stuff like that. So I was explaining that to these friends and like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Rather than saying you should be saving X amount. I'm like, I was finding that I kept getting surprised with stuff that would come up and I have, I literally call it like an oh shit fund which is my like baby version of an emergency fund, like not true emergencies, but something happens. I'm like, oh crap, I need to get, I don't know, something that I didn't plan for, like a new piece of tech for work or even like, I, had to, I got a new duvet recently and I didn't know those were like expensive. Like you couldn't get a duvet. I spent like a hundred dollars a duvet. I don't know, just stuff that you don't budget for regularly. <laughs> yeah. So saving like little bits in an account so that when it came up, and I was also saying, because I was one of these friends I was talking to was saying she had a hard time giving herself permission to spend money. Mm -hmm. And I kind of go through seasons of my life where I have like no problem spending money and then other times where it's really hard for me to spend money. But that's another thing that helped me was like saving little amounts in accounts. So I have um, a travel account. I don't like lump all my savings together. So then if I save a certain amount in that, that's kind of my permission to say like, Kate, you earmark this to like treat yourself to a trip or maybe you value something else, whatever it is. And that's like giving yourself permission to spend it. So I guess like explaining my process and how I think through things um, was really valuable for people. And there's something else I was going to say and then I forgot. So if I can just um, <laughs> circle back to one thing you started with, which is where you're saying like you weren't really um, comfortable 
being the expert and, and talking to people because you wouldn't necessarily have that answer like snap, 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 here's the answer. Um, I was listening to another talk uh, just a couple weeks ago that I think really brought up a good point, which is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the one to just instantly regurgitate an answer. Like, that's not the way a lot of problems work. There aren't black and white answers a lot of time. And even when there are, you don't necessarily have to have it memorized. You just have to be the one who's going to be responsible for finding the answer for that person at some point. So if you know how to do the research or you know how to find someone else who can help answer the question, like, oh, I'm going to point you to you know, Julia to answer this tricky insurance question or something like that, then that is a hugely valuable resource, even if you yourself aren't the one who's providing the instant answer. So that can also be a way to sort of make yourself feel more comfortable talking about these sorts of issues where you're like, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the answer, but even if you don't have the answer, you might know better than the person you're talking with about how to find the answer for them or how to help them get to an answer. You're the index. Is that a cool superhero name? I feel like it's. Is it? The index? Yeah. I am not the right person to ask. It's got an X in it, which generally is cool. Like you could make a logo out of that. Okay, I'll I'll think about it on my own time. (laughs) I mean, maybe. Yeah. Only if Kate designs the costume. Yeah. (laughs) She, she, She can make something cool out of it. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's, I always think about a line from, um, from Scrubs, which I watched religiously for far too long, um, which is like the, all the doctors were on rounds and, and like they were being quizzed about all the crazy diseases and, and Dr. Cox, who was normally super grumpy would come out and he was like, I don't need to know all this stuff. You just need to know where to find it. I think about that all the time with financial planning. It really is true. And especially like last year when I started doing office hours all the time, that was one of my big fears at the beginning. And just being like, this person could appear in front of me and could ask me anything. And I'm probably not going to know it because I know way less than I don't know. Like, shockingly, just so much more weighted to that side. And so, and it happened all the time. And it just, I was like, oh, but they, they weren't ashamed of me when I didn't know. You know, that's what I was thinking. I was, I was really afraid. This like, And it's this expert thing. And this is just like that putting yourself in that position should mean you know all the things, but I think you're right with what you said before. It just means that you can just, you're the one that they can come to, to have that conversation. You're the, you kind of put a mark out there just to be like, it's safe to talk to me about money. You know, I'm not going to be like people, you know, the singers come up to me at parties and, and all of a sudden, or they'll like always after the thing is like, and it's a write-off. So as you'll love, and I was like, well, <laughs> Okay, cool. Like it's just, but it's, there's a lot of times where the sun will find me in a corner and be like, and all of a sudden the conversation will start steering in that direction. You're like, oh, you want a safe space to talk about this. And because I put myself out there as somebody who it's okay to talk about that with stuff, and then the conversation is easier to start versus being like, maybe this person is terrified of it. Maybe this person has all this baggage around it and they would hate if I brought up money. Um, So there's, there's value that that label can, can help that side it doesn't necessarily mean um that everything needs to be known but it's i i totally yeah yeah and it's and chris we've talked about this probably more than once before (laughs) just that whole thing of how do you even start that conversation like trying to get more people 
open that door for people, get people interested in this conversation that had no prior interest in talking about money. Yes. Like the, the kind of personal finance sphere is sphere, sphere, words, sphere. That's the Nailed one. It. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, God, I copyright. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really enthusiastic about it. And like, that's great. But like, what about the people that aren't already in that world? Like, how do we get other people in here? I think it's one of the most interesting questions because it really is this thing where it's like, these are the people that are in the financial conversation and these are the most of the people. So it's just like it, it, our conversation can become really insular and then it can become one that's, it's not bad. And this is probably words taken right out of Kate's mouth. Cause I think you've said this before, but like being like, it's, it's, it's just, it's more like a fan. So the financial conversation can be a bunch of people that love to talk about money and they want to talk about all the things and it's a fandom and they're like, but it's, that's not fandom is not accessible to people who are not fans and it's not about making everybody a fan it's not making everybody like like getting everybody to become a blogger and everybody just to become a like a profit for finance because that's not that shouldn't be the goal that's silly you know most people don't care about money in that way but money in the same way money health these few things are so it, there's just such a part of your life that you can't you can't, you have to deal with them whether you're a fan or not. And so like, how do you expand that conversation or, or create a whole new conversation for them that is not connected to this? Um, even it's, it's an interesting question and I, and I don't know exactly. Um, so, so there's some financial literacy research that says that kind of ongoing financial literacy, oh, I want to believe this because I have things about financial literacy, obviously, but the ongoing like financial literacy education really doesn't stick very long and that it's on demand in the moment when you need it, delivery kind of a financial literacy or financial advice that is what people really need and how do you and so the, the kind of hand-wringing or the policy questions are, so how do you create something that people know where it is and then go ask it with, uh, when they need the actual information before they actually make the choice or, 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 or you know, do something wrong? Um, and I think that's us. I actually think that it's not, I don't mean us financial planners, us personal finance fans, writing fan fiction about it or whatever it is. Um, I think it's just people who are willing to not be ashamed, hmm. who are just willing to live out their life. The money it doesn't mean that you walk around with like that, those Arby's commercials with like your uh, net worth above your head all the time. But in we are, this is gonna sound like such a, in our culture, we're not like this, but culturally we're conditioned to just shy away from talking about, you don't, you would never say like, oh man, Seth didn't get paid a whole bunch of months in a row and we had to capitalize our mortgage payment. Sorry. <laughs> I'm saying that because that's the, the episode I just rewatched, but you don't, I don't go to parent council and have somebody ask me, how are you doing today? And say, Oh, it's been really tough. I've been a little bit worried about if I'm going to be able to make the tax payment that I need to make on April 30th. Nobody says that because they're ashamed of themselves because they think everybody else has their shit together. It's all yeah. about shame. And if we can be, and it's hard because our professional lives in lots of ways are tied up with people believing that we're experts. And of course, experts never struggle. That's not a thing that experts do. We're not very expert, are we? 
So, so of course, our well-being and our profession are all tied up with that. But if we can walk around unashamed in our everyday lives with the parent council people we see and the next door neighbor that you go over for dinner with and whoever else you're talking to and demonstrate what it looks like to ask the questions when you need to know the answer, we can be the people that people come to on demand. Yeah. That was me getting very passionate about it. But I really do believe that we're kind of Am I allowed to use the word missionary? It's such a terrible, awful word. It's or the people living it out in real word. life. Yeah, it's very and loaded. I, it's a I think that load. one of the things I love about that and is specifically kind of putting the the emphasis around um, instead of providing answers for people, even though that might be part of it, not being afraid to ask our own questions, not being afraid to share how we found our own answers because i remember a, a while ago too i think it was when we were talking to shannon lee simmons and we were talking about a little bit about professional vulnerability and you shared a really interesting thing talking about um uh it was Brene brown's book i believe it was yeah and and about Very how really. like exactly so that idea that like when you process something that becomes a great time to share so like not necessarily for when you're when you're trying to help people through it not like that's the point where vulnerability becomes really valuable. Like once you're through it a little bit and can add some perspective to it, which I found really, really helpful. And so within this kind of, when you're talking about practicality of trying to share this, because I think that, um, you know, being able to kind of share how I found the answer. These are my questions. These are my questions still, but you know, that's, that's an interesting way to talk about financial conversation. And it's, it, it does seem a lot less threatening, you know, it, if you just think about whatever your kind of button points are, whether it's <clears throat> health or you hate it when somebody offers advice about this. I hate it when like my, my nightmare is when the cash register person like talks to me about the food I'm buying, like at the grocery stores, like, Oh, I see you're doing this. And you're like, don't, I just, I can't, I can't have you do this right now. Like, I just, I don't like this. <laughs> Does that whatever. happen? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say like, I buy a lot of, really unhealthy food and I've never had anyone be like I see where your problem is <laughs> no 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 it's not they're not diagnosing a problem they're just trying to guess what I'm making probably in a very conversational way this is my problem not theirs but whatever <laughs> I'm saying whatever your triggers are everybody has their triggers of the things that they don't want somebody to bring up but it's way less threatening when when the person comes at it from their own point of view and they they share first they share they're vulnerable first and then and then don't demand vulnerability back but just create a space for it um that was a very yes. long way to get to that point and what i really like about what sandy said about the on-demand kind of service i'm just i would feel accomplished and happy if a friend of mine who's a photographer just feels like they can ask a question like just feels like before closing their business is like oh I just have a problem with pricing and like I can ask someone for help about that. That to me is a win. Like yeah. that's really what I want. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what stuck with me about what Sandy's saying. The fact that people that know there are options and instead of saying, this is a failure, I'm a failure. It's like, Oh, I just don't know that there's these tools available to me. I don't know how to use them, but like I can ask a question and someone can help me. So just like, giving someone like that enough of an open door that they realize that this is a problem that could have a solution instead of, oh, you know, your camp, whatever it is. Yeah. Like that's the bit that I care so much about 
almost less so than like the actual solution bit. It's just people realizing that totally there's help somewhere and that they can talk about it. Yeah. Because it's, it, it, the, the crisis that I feel we have in our financial world in Canada or North America is a connection issue. It's, it's, it's a connection issue. It's, it's, it's the people that don't know that there are people that can help. They don't know that there are tools that can help. And so there's some distance in between and, and to try to bring those things together in a way that people are willing to tra traverse. Oh, what a weird way place to drop in the word traverse. Um, but Kate, so I have a question about like, how do, so how does that spill out into kind of a conversation about marketing or a conversation about larger financial firms or just kind of looking at doing that, not even at scale, that's not necessarily important, but just, so when we're looking at kind of creating that conversation in a broader way, does it have to happen just one-on-one -on -one in person at the beginning or, or how does, how does that grow? What I found with, I, I really don't like the pigeonhole of creative entrepreneurs, but like I keep saying that as, cause I don't know what's better. Yeah. Um, but marketing has actually as a, like a blanket statement has been a great entry point with me because there'll be a friend who like isn't doing well in their business and we'll get chatting and they'll talk about kind of like who they're trying to offer to and we'll start talking about like their clients or where they're getting their clients from or maybe what their ideal client looks like and then through that we might figure out that their pricing is kind of messed up or they're not charging enough mm -hmm. and then that often leads to a conversation of why you don't think you're worth charging that and then all of this kind of circles into your beliefs about money. So where those core beliefs come from, like why don't you think you're worth charging this amount or why have you stuck yourself in this I'm a starving artist thing? So it kind of starts as a marketing problem of I don't have enough clients, I don't have the right clients, mm. I don't know what to do on social media. Like it starts there, very surface level, and then it kind of drills down to these core beliefs of like I'm not worthy or I'm not enough and that's usually tied up in money and I mean, other things too, but money's always a piece of that and the messages you might've got from that somewhere. So that for me has been kind of an unexpected entry point and mm -hmm. why I really believe that all of this stuff is interrelated. Um, and I feel slightly less crazy about how like three years ago, I was like, I'm gonna be like a finance business marketing coach or whatever. And now I'm like, oh, these things really are, <laughs> it's still kind of crazy, but, um, Especially when you're solo entrepreneur, a company of one, you can't really tease all those things out. So that with this particular group of people, that's kind of been the safe entry point is someone talking about like, I don't know how to use social media because they think they have to, because they think they have to use that to get clients. But then it ends up being like, okay, who are you trying to work with? And then it just drills down. And at some point we get to money. And then once you get to that whole question, then somehow that'll lead to, um, you know, like pricing and paying yourself and then way down the line that ends up at RSP. But until you realize why those things are important, like I can't start that conversation with the RSP or like savings account, like it wouldn't go anywhere. Hmm. That's really cool. In general, never start the conversation with RSPs. And, but, and from, you're asking kind of from a financial industry perspective, I really don't know because when you see 
financial companies that sponsor events or sponsor art galleries or whatever it is, like that's generally perceived as pretty disingenuous. It doesn't go very far. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm cool with it starting small. No, who, I just, I have a very difficult time and I'm in the profession mapping. I just want to, I just want to feel not ashamed of myself and maybe get pointed in the right direction Two, I need to go ask a professional for help. Like they just don't feel like it's even in the same ballpark, even though I've had great conversations that came from clients talking about that kind of stuff. But I don't think that, I just don't think even, even I think very highly of what Spring does and I really like our work, I value it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think that Spring the brand could ever create the space for clients. We could never do like a Twitter chat, I don't know. That's kind of the lowest thing that I can think of, but there's nothing that we could do from only a marketing perspective to create that space for clients. I just, I just don't see them being even the same activity. Maybe that's just me on a Thursday night or whenever we're recording this, but do you know what I mean? I just, I don't, I, I would never personally ever see a financial brand anywhere on social media or on the, go to their website or anything and think, no, but the cool thing is that you've created that conversation with a client that you have, and that's been a one-on-one -on -one thing. And if you've changed their life, then that's going to change their posture and how they talk to other people and how they talk to their friends. So that's going to spill over, or at least I want to believe this, spill over somehow. And they might bring up in a conversation with a friend of theirs or family member or whatever it is, how getting help helped them. And then that kind of like slowly spreads in a web. I think the more people they get help and kind of tend tell their friends or their network about that. That's the kind of accomplishment that I, that's what I want to be 97 years old and looking back on my life and saying, I just, it was just one at a time, really. I'm okay. I'm great. I'm super great with that. I don't feel like I need to change the entire world. Yeah. Let's bring these to change or whatever. I guess, I guess kind of the comment was that can be the thing you do, mm -hmm. but, but I, I, I don't think there's a way to market that if the question is how can how can the financial industry change the way that they connect with people who need information i'm not sure that there is a way to do that on a broad scale am i am i just too, maybe i'm just too cynical i like yeah i don't know i don't think that they will necessarily like i think that like like kids at the beginning you know there's a very different i don't think that's their mandate you know I don't think that generally, um, you know, it's, it's when, when you're looking at more product sales, it's, it's just, it's not necessarily the mandate in the same way. There's a different sense. It's like when, you know, you look at our types of business, which is really all about relationship and all sales is about relationship. And so that's, it's a bit of a different thing, but um, it's, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of trying to dream of a big world where not necessarily trying to figure out how to get those changes, but what would a, what, what would a healthy financial conversation look like at scale um, is, is more my question or just like always looking at ways to kind of say, so the one-on-one -on -one is this place or, or even a small group, 
you know, if, if that's already taking it to the next level to be like creating this safe space for people to be open and vulnerable, you know, and, and just, I'm always curious about whether um, there are people and their methods and there's ways that, uh, that that can kind of reach it, organically. It has to grow slowly because mm-hmm. it's all based on trust. It's all based on people knowing you, but like whether there's ways to, to, to make that bigger, just not because it has to be bigger, but because there's a lot of people that aren't being reached. And so, you know, one way to do it is just to create a great profession that works one-on-one that is sustainable and having lots more people do it. And so then you're just one-on-one work just gets, and that's great. Like that is totally a way to, it's not like, so that's, that's a thing, but I, I just, I'm, I'm just curious about, about kind of the amplifiers that exist and how do you amplify intimacy? That's not. <laughs> um, but I mean, that the point about making the profession, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing because there's so much misunderstanding out there about what sorts of help people can get in terms of their finances because so much of what the big institutions are putting out there is that point that like Sandy was making earlier is that the money is the the client the client is the money and so it's like hey we got insurance for your money we got investments for your money but you're like I don't have money but I need help (laughs) figuring out what to do with money but I don't have like a big pile of money that's going to be the client for me yeah, I just I need to know what to do with my little bit of stream of money that's coming through, but I can't really like give you a whole bunch of it. Right? <laughs> yeah, how do I get help with this? And then you sort of reframe that you know there are people out there, coaches, <laughs> and planners, and people who will you know the other three video windows here in this podcast. Uh, these people will come and they'll help you with you know figuring this stuff out. And just making people aware that the profession that's an option is one great uh, way to do that. Even if then within your profession itself, you don't change very much. If you just make people aware that there's something other than the bank mutual fund salesperson to talk to about money. Yeah. Um, And the the fact that I went through a grad degree in financial planning, got my FPSC level one, and then still had the wrong idea what a financial planner was and did tells you a lot. so does i was thinking about this just last week about how poorly all the training that i've done to be a financial planner actually set me up to be a financial planner like it just even what it tries to do falls so short of what it has to do it's a disaster yeah so if i went through all of that and i still didn't know what a financial planner did like yeah we need to there's some changes that need to be made (laughs) And I mean, maybe some planners are doing that stuff. It's just the, it, the profession's bigger than just that. You know, it's not just retirement plans. It's also understanding your money and getting comfortable with it. And I mean, like another really innovative thing, again, to help cross promote my co-host here is Chris's office hours idea. Yeah. Where you can just call him for half an hour over Skype and just yeah. talk about anything. Well, and- and those conversations really have been really educational in the same way I think that Kate has been talking about some of these kind of small group things because it, it really it really has been um, eye-opening to kind of see what the questions that people have are and what people want and how many people just want to talk. They just want somebody to list. They just want somebody to be like, this is what's happening. And somebody to maybe say, sometimes it feels like they like just to be like, yeah, that's hard. Like that's legit hard. And the reason why you're having a hard time with it is because it's really hard. 
not because you're an idiot, not because you're failing, because it's hard. And to be able to say too that like, it, you sometimes feel like you're, you have a little bit of a secret power because you get to see other, you get to see multiple people's finances. And you can just, you don't share details, but you can just say to them, you're like, you're, you're honestly not the only person that's figuring this out. And those people are from all kinds of walks of life and not just any specific things like that's that just that kind of that same kind of conversation that we're talking about when those kind of come up, like those are always my favorite. Cause that's, that's what I'd love to do. You know, if I could do that all the time, just like that specific, but I don't know what that's called or what that is or whether that's an actual thing that people would pay for. So, but that's my cross to bear. I think that's true. So let's go all the way back then to what I hope gets edited out from this conversation. But when we were talking about <laughs> things that people feel that, you know, where you have an area of expertise, hmm. um, and other people, uh, when you have an area of expertise, like, you know, you've had a bunch of kids and you're talking to somebody who hasn't had any kids at all, or they're had, right. they're, they've had their first one. There's a lot of things that you feel like, oh man, I could really just help you avoid some of those mistakes. Or, you know, somebody's building a house or cooking chicken and serving it medium rare, or, you know, like a lot of mistakes that you might, you might be able to save them a lot of heartache or trouble over. And, and and how do you, how do you identify when it's something that they, maybe this is all relationship stuff, but okay, is this a thing that it's just gonna, it's gonna help them learn something and they, they won't, they, it won't be, my advice to them won't be worthwhile because they wouldn't, they won't have walked through it yet. That, that would be kids in a lot of senses, I think. Or is this something where if you do the thing that I can see you just about to do, you're going to end up in the bathroom for the next two weeks? The raw chicken example. Raw chicken yeah. example. I just, you know, to get really specific. But so, so are there times when even though, you know, there's not, maybe we haven't made space yet. We've just started realizing that I need to be vulnerable so that people can feel safe with me. But oh my goodness, you're just about to do this thing. And you can't do that. How do you, I mean, I, I would be really curious, just even, not even professional level, but on a personal level, how, is there anything where you would feel comfortable or are there specific people? where you would feel like I have to do this and I'm going to do it. It's going to be hard. How, how am I going to approach this? I'm usually more comfortable talking about it. If I can give a personal example, like if I see someone about to make a terrible mistake and I can give an example, that's like, you know what I was in, this reminds me of like something I was going through last year and like, this is what happened. And like, this is what it felt like. And this is what I did right or wrong. And um to frame it in that way rather than to be like this is what you need to do to try to be clear that like okay i've been in a similar situation this is what i did and either like that was the right thing to do and here's why or that was the wrong thing to do and here's what i should have done and here's why i'm a lot more comfortable talking about it like that than being like you better cook that chicken otherwise you're gonna get sick yeah, nobody wants nobody. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think anybody actually is able to receive information that way. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I would just want to punch somebody so bad. Like, don't talk. To me that way. Yeah, I don't know if that's a personality thing or not. But like, I shut off for that, and yeah. I just want to prove people wrong. So I'm, I'm just like, watch it. I get so digest raw chicken. You just. 
<laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> nope, it ain't. <laughs> yeah. I think there's there's something about like it's. I think it's hard to drop any kind of advice on a cold relationship, like on a just a just a blank slate. That that's just it's hard to swallow. You know, I would hope that that the chicken advice could could go down for most people because we're we're in the realm of. I want to say general common sense, but maybe there's somebody out there being like, I eat chicken raw all the time. This is amazing. It's paleo. <laughs> it's paleo. Oh, it's not paleo. Well, that's, that's hardcore paleo. It's, you know. But from before they invented paleo. fire. I'm on the raw food diet right now, so I actually can't cook my chicken. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's, I, there's, there's something about trust and, and just kind of like the makeups of like what what kind of like, just it, who you can actually offer advice to and, and, and who could be receptive of that. Um, but it's, 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 it's tough. I think that, well, like there has to be some, some parent uh, parallels here too, to being like, what's, what's your job as a parent? You know, do you tell, like, do you let your kids make their mistakes and learn from them? Or do you try to tell them about the mistakes that they're about to make whether that might sink in and that's like a really close relationship like that's isn't isn't there there a parallel there like how how do you let how do you let your kids learn i mean i guess right it would have to be something that is it just is catastrophic if i if i don't tell you to not do that it is going to be catastrophic like you're driving away in a car that the bumper just fell off of and there's flames shooting at the bottom yeah well hope you learn the hard way yeah. like obviously so th so that's i mean those kind of physical danger things we can of course we can map that like we would say that to a stranger with no, we'd yell it at them like we have no problem yeah. handling that kind of emergency is there is there anything in finance where we yeah. would be able to see it just uh, just see it without them necessarily telling us about it or them tell like it would just come up in conversation that is so catastrophic and that we are so like the clear answer is don't do that thing that we could ever really feel that we're 100 percent certain of giving them the right advice and being in the right place to do so nothing jumps to mind i'm gonna cash out my rsp and buy some bitcoin for my retirement fund <laughs> But have, I mean, you, have you ever been in a situation where someone's done that and you've like jumped in with the right thing and that person has actually listened to you and followed it? That last part is... <laughs> right? John's like, I, I personally can't think of a single example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've changed a single person's mind. No. Ever. No, like especially because most of the like the kinds of things that we hear. So you hear somebody say, you know, I'm going to earn 40 to 60% of my investments every single year. And that's how I'm going to live for, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to earn that. They, you giving them the boring advice that that doesn't happen. This, this is really what you can expect. That doesn't, even if it was somebody that has known you forever and respects your opinion, they got to that opinion somehow. And you, I'm not saying don't say it. I mean, you just have to maybe, and if they're telling you about it and soliciting advice from you, but you know, cashing out your RSP to buy Bitcoin, that person probably has RSPs are a scam because my uncle Joe says so. And you know, didn't you see what happened with 
I was going to use Facebook, but that's not the right example. Um, th those people probably think that our simple, because all of our advice is it's always guaranteed to be boring, fairly simple in the grand scheme of things. It's simpler to just leave your money in the RSP and invest in boring old things than it is, to, you know, all of those things that make, that are the, sort of the hallmark of pretty good financial advice is that it's not too complicated and it's probably pretty widely known. All those people, anybody that wants to do something exotic and amazing in their mind already has lots of reasons not to listen to us because, but, because but, we're boring in them. But maybe it is. It's like what Kate was saying at the beginning about trying to understand those reasons more and just having them explain the more in, instead of like, as, I, as, we, as you were talking about that, like I think the health parallel is so clear. So if you like all health advice is generally really boring. You know, it's just like, here's some food that you know is probably good for you. You know that that's not that great for you. You know you should move your body. Generally, like, it's, it's pretty, but then, but fad diets are all over the place. And just like, oh, this pill and all oh, this, like, but like, understanding people in that moment, instead of kind of jumping to the, the catastrophic thing, is taking the extra, if you have the extra time and there's somebody that you care about and you think that they're actually, you know, it's, trying to understand their reasons better. This is like what Kate was saying right at the beginning is that, that does have, to, I think that that's an important step if you really want them to listen to you instead of kind of jumping to that point to be like, look, that tiny pill that you got off the internet that shipped from, you know, Peru, maybe, maybe don't take that now, right now. Be like, oh, why, why, why don't do it? <laughs> Like, but I think there is something to reasons, you know, and it's, and maybe they can kind of in that unpacking the reasons you can get a better sense of whether they're going to be amenable to um, more information. Yeah, like what someone's beliefs are, like what does someone believe to have to think that that's a true statement? Exactly. To think that I should cash out my RSP or to think that I'm going to have this type of return or to think I should or shouldn't do yeah. this. Like what are their underlying beliefs to think that that's true? Because yeah. obviously they believe something different than you. And if you want to change what they believe, then you should know where they're starting from rather than just like yelling at them. Well, and this is what you, you, you said, I think it's a Seth Godin quote, Kate, but uh, that you can't change what people believe. You can just change what they know. And so like accepting that right away is like if they've got a strongly held belief that has led them to this moment, you're not going to change that belief. But maybe you could. that's just going to be a lot harder. And it's different things, changing what someone knows and yeah. someone believes like it's different totally. and not confusing that is the same yeah and yeah just kind of seeing like what's what's possible with advice and and where where it can be dispensed in a way that's um that's, that actually might be valuable in those kind of raw chicken scenarios yeah. you know in those chicken scenarios where it's like you can't know it's it's i can't remember that it was raw chicken or something else kids bitcoin i don't know i don't know <laughs> i think bitcoin is raw chicken i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on yeah. And if someone believes that the whole finance industry is like charlatans, yeah. then they're never going to listen to anything you have to say. So that belief first has to be changed before they're even going to listen to anything that comes out of your mouth. Because the belief going into that is that like you're all liars and trying to steal my money. That is a true statement. That is such a true statement that I have a very hard time saying like, it, I mean, the few times that I go out and interact with real humans in real life, people say, oh, what do you do? And you say, I am a financial planner, but you try and say it like a normal person, not like that. Uh, it, uh, people immediately 
hands up and go, oh, I have insurance already and take three steps. <laughs> It's happened exactly like that. Although I said it normally, so oh, I'm a financial planner, and then that's what happened more than one time. Um, and I'm not gonna, yeah. I, I this is it's a different topic. It's about the profession and not about raw chicken moments. But um, yeah, it's a good point. That's all. <laughs> the end. Yeah. There has to be a certain responsibility that's on, on both sides. It's a conversation. And so it's like, it, I don't think that anybody who feels passionate about changing um, the way people think about their finances and, the, and the, the way people think about money, you can't put the expectation on yourself that you can change everybody with advice, that people are just waiting to hear you say the right things. That's not what, that's not the problem. And that's not the potential solution isn't just you being in every room and them hearing you. That all the information is out there already. You know, it's, it's, and they have access to it. They're not connecting to it and that's part on them. And that's, you know, there's more work that we can do to get there, but there's also stuff that they have to do before they can be amenable to it, before they can hear it. And, and that works, we can't do for people, you know? And, and so I think we need to not take that responsibility on ourselves, but we also need to know that in those moments to be like, you're, you're not ready to hear anything that I have to say. So maybe I can put it out there if I feel like I have to say it for me. But like, it's, it's just, it's not, yeah, like we don't have the power to change everybody. It's, it's, that's not, that's not how it works. You're getting very uncomfortably close to the missionary metaphor again, well. <laughs> which, I, which I think is a really valid one. The idea, like, it's not, it's, it's not our job. I know, I'm sure I could have a long argument with lots of people about that, but it's not our job to stand in the middle of every room. I really like the way that you said that. It's. No. And, and I guess, and I guess that the, the, the thing that might be different depending on somebody's belief system is that I really don't personally think that there's a lot that can happen. A lot of choices, financial literacy type choices that people can make that are, that are actually preventable and catastrophic. I mean, I know I, you can certainly do, you can buy terrible products that are really expensive and in fact are catastrophic. They are catastrophic at such a slow pace though yeah like finance catastrophe happens in a minute if you're like you know if something really horrible happens of course most of the time the kind of things that we're gonna run into that people are gonna ask us about that we'll hear over here and feel like it's my responsibility to fix this yeah are slow motion avalanches yeah and and the and there's not it's not life or death and you have time to either allow them to learn on their own or be there for them to come to you and ask. We don't have a professional responsibility to stand up every time and correct every misconception. As much as we feel like, oh, I could help you so much. I, I don't think it'll help. It's just gonna, it, it, for a lot of people it's gonna drive farther away. Like I think that it's our job to set up a place that is a safe place for people to come and to talk and to ask questions and to be vulnerable. And we can do that by being vulnerable ourselves and setting an example and showing kind of thing and then telling people that that place exists. And then letting, so that people know that this is here. It is not in your face, it is not in your house, it is not in your place, it is over here and you can come to it when you want to come to it. And then it'll be there for you but it's not going to be all shoved in your face and be like, and, and another thing that's showing you that you're failing and that you should have this. And another thing that makes you inadequate because there's clearly some kind of reason, although those are only a few motivating factors that people are not connecting to this already. And so hard selling more 
I really don't think it's going to be the financial secret, like a skeleton key to the problem. You know, it's stepping back and just being like, just when you're ready, this is different. This exists. Come. I feel extremely excited about every single thing that you just said. That was, that's perfect. Cause otherwise, cause, because, I mean, I'm, if you want to come back to the uncomfortable metaphor again, otherwise we're, we're standing <laughs> in the corner and we have cardboard signs telling people to repent. And we're like, we're not letting anybody go by without yelling in their face. And, yeah. how, and how effective is that going to be? I don't think it's proven to be super effective. The feel? You know, then it's more about us and less about them. Mm. You know, it's more yet again about right at the beginning, we were talking about it's more about the answers that we can provide and showing that we are experts and that we have answers and that we know when that's bullshit anyways, because we're struggling and we don't know and we're figuring it out. We know some things, but we don't know other things. We're trying to put them together in an alchemy and we have a ton to share, but we don't know everything just like they do. That's more the truth. So our questions communicate better than our answers. Amen, brother. What? Oh, sorry. I, I, forgot, I forgot we weren't at church. <laughs> I missionized you. I missionized you. You're so good. Yeah, all of that. All of what was just said. Yep. I concur. I have a footprint. <laughs> Too much passion. I'm a missionary. I haven't passionized for a while. All right, that's all we've got for you today. If you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a really good rating. That really helps people find us. That would be awesome. And if you loved what you heard, why not check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash because money and lend us a little support so we can keep doing what we're doing. I am Chris Entz and you can find me over at rags to reasonable.com. I'd like to thank my partners in crime, Sandy Martin, who you can find at Spring Financial Planning, springplans.ca, and John Robertson, who you can find value at Simple or his blog, Blessed by the Potato, which is holypotato.net.